one day I decided to ask myself, could I break five minutes in the mile? At age 30, could I return to the sport of track and go after my unmet goal of breaking five minutes? Was my body capable of this? Was my mind capable of this? And most importantly, was my spirit capable of pushing through the ups and downs to find the answer? You are listening to Breaking Five, a running podcast, where we search for this answer as well as yours for achieving your Breaking Five moment, whatever that may be for you. We will gain inspiration and knowledge from others who have achieved their Breaking Five moment, those working towards theirs, as well as those who have helped the athletes along the way. I'm your host, Kristen Schultz, physical therapist, runner, and running coach. Let's run full force towards our wildest dreams and take a listen to today's episode. All right, welcome back to another episode of Breaking Five, a running podcast. Super excited today. I have Danielle Strabel here with me. Danielle is a dietitian and run coach with Mindful Nutrition. She is a good friend and local. She's in St. Pete, Florida, and excited to talk to her a little bit about her journey as a runner and a dietitian, and also to just hear her advice for runners when it comes to nutrition. I know this has been a common theme that I I get asked a lot and also um, something that's been important in my own life. So um, Danielle, thanks for being here today. Absolutely. (laughs) So if you don't mind, could you let the audience know how you got into running? What's your background of when you got into running? Sure. So, um, I guess like I started off, you know, we don't really consider it like the main sport of running, but I've been, uh, I played, started playing soccer when I was four years old and, um, being a tall, you know, thin girl, um, when I entered middle school, uh, I think that it was just like approached to me that, oh, you would be like good at track and you'd also be good at volleyball and maybe basketball. And so I tried track and of course the first, uh, my coaches wanted me to try like the high jump and the long jump. And I just like, I just wanted to run. I really liked running as a part of the soccer game. And so I tried it out and I first started running the 400 and then I really loved, fell in love with the 800 and the 3200 relay. So I just, I actually, when I was in high school, I loved the practices more than I loved the competitions. Um, I just liked going out and running for a certain amount of miles, uh, running in the neighborhood. It was just a time for me to kind of shut my brain off. And um, for actually the longest time I used to run without music, I couldn't even like run with music because it would give me I don't know, it just would like distract me. But so then, you know, I, I still was a part of track. I didn't do cross country in high school because I was a volleyball player, but um, that's kind of what got me into it. And then I just became a distance runner from there, um, just being coached in that way. So no, that's yeah. awesome. So you did, um, what was I going to say? Well, first off, I think it's funny, like how typical, I mean, it makes sense, but like how totally by body size, oh, you're going to do this, you know, yep. not like, Hey, what do you like? Or what do you want to do? I mean, maybe they asked you that, but it's just like your body size is this. So yeah. you're going to do this. You look like a jumper. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, no, I want to run. It's um, funny because I think I literally, I mean, I give my mom a lot of credit for putting me almost in like every sport since the age of five years old to try to figure out what I really loved doing. Um, Like I was on a swim team, but (laughs) the water was really cold. So I would (laughs) wasn't a fan of that. Um, (laughs) I took tennis lessons for a little bit, like did pretty much every sport, I think besides softball. Um, And it just seemed that like the running sports were my sport. So you came back to, yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's always nice when your parents, my parents did the same, like in the sense of I did a lot of different things, right? Tap dancing, gymnastics, yeah, and like yeah. everything. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it, it was good. Maybe it's a Midwest thing. Maybe it's a Wisconsin thing. Oh yeah. She's also from Wisconsin. I didn't share that part. So um, to get the most out of our summers, play some sports. Yeah. You might've liked swimming if you live in Florida then. I don't know, That's true. Yeah. <laughs> but awesome. I love it. And then, um, so that was in high school that you did track then after that, what, like, what did your running look like after, um, after high school? Yeah. So then, um, after high school, I, I was approached by my college to run cross country and track, but I kind of did like a self eval after high school and was like, you know, I didn't absolutely love the competitions. I actually got injured my senior year of high school 
and wasn't able to fully carry out the season. Um, so I, I just went into college kind of focusing on my academics and again, used running as more of like a stress reliever. I went to school uh, in Winona, Minnesota, and it's like right in the middle of like the bluffs and mm-hmm. the Mississippi River. And it just was that time for me to get away from like life and kind of just like zone out and appreciate like beauty around me and things like that. I really hate running indoors or like on a track on a treadmill. No way. <laughs> um so I could just continue to it ended up being, you know, just that time for me in college to to as a stress reliever. And then after college I just continued and um I would sign up for races. Um, I've done a couple half marathons. I trained for a full marathon, but um, some health issues prevented me from running that. But I've just like continued to keep it a part of my life um, because of, I just really enjoy it. Yeah, no, it's awesome. So it's kind of been, yeah, it's been there for a while for you. Yeah. Where, where did you go to college? Where did you go to Winona? What is it? Winona? Uh, St. Mary's University. Oh, St. Mary's. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I, one of the schools I looked at going like six undergrad places was Winona. So random kind of. Yeah. There's, it's, it's such a small town and there's two colleges in the town. So it is. Yeah. Pretty cool. Cause anywhere you go, you, you run into, you know, kids your age. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I looked at going with Nona or Lacrosse, but yeah, it's a really uh, pretty area there it for is, sure. Yeah. Um, so you got a lot of good runs there. And so, did you when you went to college? Um, did you know you want to be a dietitian? Did you go to college to be a dietitian? No, actually, if you'd have asked me when I was like in sixth grade what I wanted to be when I grew up, I wanted to be a doctor. Okay. Um, and so, like that was I was like sat on it. Nobody was like going to change my mind. <laughs> I went into high school like this is the path that I want. Um, looked at colleges like for their academic programs for pre med. Um, so at St. Mary's, I was uh, a biology and psychology uh, major in in basically in preparation for med school. And then my junior year of college, I studied abroad uh, and stayed a little bit longer, but I was there for six months in Italy and kind of just got this whole, gained this whole different perspective on health and what it means to be healthy and community and culture and food and like how that's all wrapped into your health. Um, It's not just like diagnosing a problem and treating it with a prescription. So I came back from that and I was like, shoot, it like (laughs) knocked me off my, I was like, I've had this dream for so long and I just wasn't sure that um, an MD program was exactly what I wanted to do. I didn't know maybe like chiropractic or like a holistic or naturopathic medical school. I just really wasn't sure, but I knew that if I wasn't hundred percent sure, like I shouldn't apply to any program. Um, so I, I took a couple of years off and tried to figure out what I wanted to do. And I figured out a lot of things that I didn't want to do. Um, That's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, then that kind of just led me back to, um, nutrition. I actually didn't know a dietitian was a profession or like (laughs) that you went to school for it and had to do this whole like internship and everything. But I'm from Green Bay and that's where I had moved home after college and uh, UW Green Bay had a, has a nutrition program. So it's like right in my backyard. I was able to, you know, complete it in a short amount of time because of the science background that I already had. And that kind of just led me here. That's awesome. How long have you been a dietitian now? Um, so I completed my internship in 2017 and have been a dietitian since. So about three full years. Okay. And now you're looking back to going back to, to medical school, right? Or- yes. Yeah, so I, um, I didn't know that DO programs were a thing. So it's, it's funny, Kristen, if you not funny, but it's kind of um, crazy. If you look at all of the DO programs in the um, country, so a doctor of osteopathic medicine, and you look at Minnesota, Michigan, and Wisconsin, there is zero programs. There's oh, really, um, there is one in, in Michigan, but in my mind, it wasn't a shocker that I had never really heard of a DO or their program if we didn't have them in our state or yeah. in the state around us. And so I think that they definitely have become a more popular or more well-known profession, but it's the same training as an MD. Um, actually, a DO has more training in manipulation and um, OMM, but 
Um, so I, I truly believe that if that would have been introduced to me when I was in college, I probably yeah. wouldn't have went that path, but it's okay. Everything that has <laughs> to this right. point. And, yes. Um, yeah. So I'm going to be starting medical school in August. Um, and so I'm crazy. excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think you'll like combine your um, nutrition, you know, being a dietitian with that or like, no, is that not the plan? <laughs> yeah. I definitely think that my nutrition background is going to serve me very well. I've even been told by other physicians and uh, dietitians that, you know, there's not a lot of uh, physicians out there that have uh, adequate, I guess you could say nutrition background. Yeah. Um, doctors will tell you that they've only taken like one nutrition class or they never had a class in medical school. And I think it just, I mean, being a dietitian, I know that it ties so much into your health. And so I think that's going to be really you know, serve me really well. And, um, I'm definitely going to utilize the knowledge that I have from being a dietitian in my practice as a physician. So, yeah, no, that'd be really cool. I feel like that would be a really helpful realm to be in because yeah, yeah I mean, I mean, most doctors obviously don't necessarily, that's not, there's, yeah. that's not their specialty. Right. But like yeah. totally could be in the sense of, in the sense of like taking care of someone's health, that would be helpful to know. Yeah. So that could be, yeah, really and cool. I am seeing that more medical programs are, uh, you know, emphasizing that a little bit more nutrition, but it's definitely not like the standard. Yeah. No, I don't think at all. Yeah. But I mean, it can't be, they have so many things, you know, I guess yeah. to cover. So, yeah. um, but cool. And like going back to, so when you were in Italy, what were you, were you studying Italian in Italy or were you studying like? No, I, um, was that like nerd that I entered my freshman year of college and like knew that I wanted to study abroad somewhere, but okay. there's like, don't really allow a lot of wiggle room because most classes that you take abroad aren't ones that transfer as far as your science credits goes. So I like, I went to a liberal arts school, St. Mary's is liberal arts. And so I basically saved all of my requirements for like language and art and history and um, all those non-science classes I saved until I could take them abroad. So that whole semester in Italy, I was studying different, so many different things other than science. Um, I had like an art history class. I had a speech class, social psychology. So it was, it was basically just a sister school of St. Mary's. It was an American university um, in Rome. Oh, cool. Uh, okay, I just cool. took classes and they, they transferred over. Yeah. That sounds awesome. That'd be yeah. fun. <laughs> but you had like this, like kind of understanding of, and I know you kind of went into it, but like how they view food differently there, right? Yeah. Like how, and I, I guess maybe you covered it already, but how would you say that it's different there compared to the U.S.? What did you like discover? Yeah. So actually I had a lot of, um, I guess I, I've never been diagnosed with irritable bowel syndrome, but I had a lot of the same symptoms that somebody with IBS had before I went over to Italy. So there was like okay. specific foods that caused me GI distress or just like did not sit well with me. And I could like pinpoint it down to usually like particular foods. Um, I went over to Italy and like all of those symptoms went away. I didn't have anything from the food that I ate there. And I know like weight is not a number and uh, weight loss isn't important. But when I was over there, I, like I walked to school two miles to school and two miles back. And I felt like I was eating more over there than I was yeah. United States, but I was like losing weight, like healthy weight. Mm -hmm. And, um, I just noticed that like, I would have to, I would, I had to stop at the market every day on my way home from school to get food for like that night and the day after, because my food would go bad. If I, I got it for like a week, it just wasn't that yeah. thing. Do. And I also just noticed that, I mean, they take time in the middle of the day to, like they close at their stores at 10 and they open them at two. And there's just this time dedicated to like eating your lunch. And I remember um, I stopped out at a coffee shop one of the first days that I got there and I was on my way to school and I asked her for a coffee to go. And she was like, so boggled by like, <laughs> what is this thing to go? Why um, would you sit here and enjoy your coffee? You sit here and enjoy your coffee Love and, it. With? and um, yeah. it was just like this whole different instead of like your food as a part of your day, it was like a center of your day and mm -hmm. their dinners were like, you know, I mean, as you like Olive Garden, but <laughs> you know, Italian restaurants, there's like courses. It's not just like one, you have your salad and then you have like an antipasta and then you have like a main dish and then you have a dessert. And it's just like, I realized that these, that the Italians, they start dinner at like 
eight, nine o'clock at night and they like yeah. don't finish until like midnight or one o'clock. Like, it's like family sit down, like huge. Thing. Cool. Yeah. And I was just like blown away that, that, uh, a culture would focus so much attention on food. But then I just, I noticed that they were just living like happier, more meaningful. Yeah. Lives. Um, yeah. I would even like go for a run there and, you know, like, just like, oh, you silly American, like just, <laughs> just walk the places that you need to go and so yeah. for a run and like taking a car everywhere, like just walk and get your exercise in on your daily routine versus right. like, you know, going and exercising. So it was yeah. just a whole different perspective. No, that's cool too. Yeah. Like we have like exercises, like this set time, you know, here, you know, it doesn't feel like I, I don't know, at least I recently did a post and just it reminded me of that, just like how health can look differently in the sense of to them, it sounds like, you know, obviously gathering for this meal every night, you know, I mean, that's important then there that's community too, right. Integrated into the food versus just Mm -hmm. food. I got to scarf this down in the middle of my busy work day, which you know, hopefully, and probably since this is 2020 right now, that's kind of changed maybe for people, people are taking maybe more time for things. Mm -hmm. But no, I think that is cool about different cultures and just yeah, just how they treat their food. I know, like in Argentina, um, similar to in the sec, more in the fact that they eat really late was what I was thinking when you're talking about Italy, but I would fit in in different cultures. Well, I like eating late, like I don't like eat dinner till at least after eight. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And I mean, I think to answer your question is like, I just I saw that I like from living that lifestyle because I was immersed in the culture. Like I just felt better. Like I felt like I had more energy. I felt just overall, like my health had improved from me being over there. And yeah. um, it really took me some time to just like reflect on what is it about being over there that made me feel that way. Cause it wasn't like I was there on a total vacation. Like I still was living my daily life, but I was living it in a different way. And what were the things that were different? Well, it was the food that was different. Like I was walking a lot more. It was just, you know, things in my lifestyle that I put more emphasis on versus back in the United States. So yeah, with me when I went home and then just became really interested in it. Yeah, that's super cool. I love it. I I like that realization. I think that's just like one of the many things that can be so beneficial of going to different countries, right? Yeah, for sure. Seeing why they're probably like, oh, silly Americans, like you said. (laughs) (laughs) Have you incorporated any of that into your life now? Or like, is any of that, you know, in the sense of, I don't know, like, do you take more time for food or anything? I mean, obviously, it's a realization. It's hard to adjust culture. When you move back to culture, you kind of adjust to culture where you're at. But um, have you kept anything from from there? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the biggest things that I that I, I took from that was it might sound really simple, but um, I think sometimes we can get caught up in like the food industry and how like glamorous it is. And like, oh, there's like these different products. And, um, like for example, like salad dressings, there's like all these different types and, um, the food labels, like make it look so good. Whereas like, like what I really took from that was just focusing on whole foods and, yeah, and cooking for yourself and adding things into your food that, you have control over and that you actually like and that you taste and um instead of like letting somebody do it for you all the time it's right. like so enjoyable to do it for yourself and then like you enjoy that food so much more because you cooked it for yourself and you put time and you know effort into creating that for yourself um and like even i te- you know teach my clients um to like even salad dressings, like it's so easy to just like make it yourself and um, keep it in a mason jar in the refrigerator. And just like, that's something that like you can take pride in, like you made your own yeah. salad dressing yeah. uh, versus like all these other preservatives and things that they have to put in a salad dressing in order to keep it on the shelf. Those are things that are, you know, without being too into it or things that like, are you sure you want to be putting that into your body? And like, right. what is the point just because of the convenience or like, yeah. Why not just do it yourself, you know? Yeah. No, that's cool. And it's like most people, especially nowadays, it's like, I don't even know how to do this. Like, what? Like, let me look this up. But then it's like, it's not habit or routine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I mean, it just takes building the habits, I'm sure, slowly to figure that out. Yeah. what, what other kind of things do you do to, you know, as a runner, especially as an athlete, as someone that's active to keep yourself fueled, um, correctly? Like what kind of things nutritionally do you, 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 you focus on throughout the week? Yeah. Um, I'm definitely more of a, uh, small meal person. So like Mm -hmm. I could eat like 
five, six times during the day um, of like smaller little meals or like maybe three bigger meals, but like snacks in between. Um, I just have never really been somebody as a, as a runner and somebody who exercises on a daily basis to just like sit down for like three meals and have like a huge window of time between me eating. Yeah. Um, that definitely takes planning and, uh, like just having, you know, if I go to work, like I for sure pack like all of my food with me or my snacks, just, it definitely takes some planning on my part to, to do that. But I think it's so important to stay, you know, fueled throughout the day so that, you don't have those like, you know, lows or where you're extremely hungry. So then you maybe overeat at your next meal. And so I think that's really important. So I try to really incorporate that into my, my routine. Awesome. Do you meal prep then? Do you meal prep at the beginning of the week? Yeah. Every uh, Sunday is usually dedicated to uh, a couple hours of, you know, grocery shopping and meal prepping and something I really enjoy. Like I, there's some Sundays that I just like, don't want to do it. (laughs) Right. I just think of that feeling like during the week, if I don't have anything yes. like out, it's just like, uh, I just feel like very on point and like more relaxed if I have a plan for the week versus just kind of like going by the seat of my pants. Yeah, no. Yeah. I, uh, I feel like I got in a period of at least like two years where I meal prep, you know, pretty regularly and was so helpful and I'm trying to get back into it. Cause it's just been awful like not doing it I've realized how much time I'm wasting when I don't meal prep you know and um but any tips for anyone out there you know because I feel like it is important as runners um you know who are you know should they meal prep or looking to meal prep and any tips on getting it done anything like that (laughs) I would say that you know if you feel overwhelmed by meal prepping like starting very small um can you know be the first step instead of looking at like having to plan out all of your meals for the week, just like figuring out, okay, you know, can I like boil some eggs and have some fruit and maybe some like granola for breakfast every morning. And that's not necessarily prepping, but maybe all I have to do for that breakfast then for the week is boil some eggs and like the other stuff like there, or um, maybe you start with just like planning some snacks for the week and seeing how that goes um, or just starting with one meal versus trying to like do all three for the entire week. Um, it's can be very overwhelming. And I also tell my clients that, you know, obviously we want to have a variety in our diet and in our life, but it's kind of impractical to, unless you do like a meal prep program or something, it's kind of impractical to have a different food for every, like if you, for your lunches, like it's, it's difficult to have a different lunch every single day. If you're going to meal yeah. So I just tell my clients, like, it's okay to do like one thing or two things for the entire week. Um, just making sure that every week you kind of switch it up. So, you know, making sure that you switch up your veggies or your whole grain source or your protein, um, and not feeling like you have to do something different every day, but yeah. making sure that you're getting a variety, um, on a weekly basis. Yeah, no, I like that. I don't know how you would do like a different meal every day. Like some people that don't like leftovers for me, at least I'm just like, personally, I mean, I don't know. I know there's different ways to do it though. Um, but I generally like, you know, three main meals basically throughout the week. If I'm fully eating at home, like, yeah, and I can eat it for like four days, usually straight, you know, yeah. <laughs> lunch every day for four days. I don't know, but that's how I got to do it though. Especially but... if you're like one or two person. Yes. That's yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's really hard. Yeah. It's not like I'm cooking for a family or anything. Right. So it's, yeah, right. no, it's hard. Any tips for like getting your meal prep done on Sunday? Like, have you had to like set any boundaries in the sense of like, I, is it like I meal prep on Sundays, no matter what, or are you flex with it? Like, Oh, if I am traveling, whatever, like I'll do it on Monday or something, you know? Cause I feel like that can be a challenge for some people. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I'm pretty like self-disciplined with always okay. doing it on Sunday. If I am traveling though, I actually like, so if I have to work on Monday, um, I actually block out time on my Monday morning. If okay. I know that I'm like not going to get home until Sunday night or get home like pretty late, I still block away time to meal prep. Cause it's just, it's so just one of those things that like, I just feel so much better when I do it. And like I said, there's definitely some Sundays that I don't always feel like doing it, but right. then it's just those weekends that like right before I go grocery shopping, I'm like, okay, what's like the easiest thing that I can yes. do? There's other weeks that I'm like, Ooh, I want to explore and like try doing something different. And 
So I do that, but there's definitely some weeks that I'm just like, okay, what's the easiest thing I can do here? Yeah. Yeah. No, I like it. And I think it's just like anything. Once it becomes a habit, right? It's a lot harder to yeah. break. And especially it's it's a habit, you do it. And also you see the benefits so much of, you know, how much time it saves and how much your energy is better and everything's yeah. going to be better from doing it. I think it's so interesting. I just feel like as a, you know, with a full-time job, like meal prepping is almost like a must to really like I don't know, eat well and have your energy at the right levels. But I guess going back to like to your experience in Italy and maybe different countries or just back in time too. It's like, it's just a weird concept that meal prepping is a thing. Like, cause I think it's like not necessarily, you know, in the past was when if you had like one person in the household staying home, like, I feel like that might change things, but I don't know. This is just my mind thinking here. It's just, it's, it's interesting, but I think it's so helpful. <laughs> yeah. Um, that is, that's, you know, interesting that you say that because I don't know that, like I went to school in Rome with other kids from different countries and I feel like we still like brought a lunch. Um, so like I still, and either, so like I lived with five other girls in Italy. So what we did do sometimes was like, if you do, and I actually give this tip to my clients too. Like if you are making a different dinner every night based on your family, um, it's just much easier to make like an extra portion of everything that you're making so that you can bring it for your lunch the next day. Yeah. Um, so that way you do have something different every day, but it's basically the dinner that you ate the night before. Yeah. Um, which that, sometimes that works better for people. Yeah, um, cooking that anyway so if like you are somebody who has a family and you cook every night that might just be a a different way that you meal prep right right no yeah that makes sense I do maybe that's something I have to think about yeah Yeah. (laughs) but awesome like I feel like nutrition especially with runners just tends to be I don't know it's like something we know is important and I think something that a lot of us think we're doing well what are like some common things maybe that you see that runners aren't doing well we'll start there and then we'll go into like how you can do it better but that they might think they're doing well or is that not a thing but I feel like it is I feel like it is for myself like I'll be like yeah eat healthy like I'm doing great and then it's like no actually you're not (laughs) I would say that the most common thing and I I hate like even going into the word macronutrients but I feel that so macronutrients are your three main um components of your diet, your protein, your fat, and your carbohydrates. And I would say that the biggest thing that I see among runners, which I think or know is heavily influenced by the trends going on right now. So like keto and paleo and all these other diets. Um, I, I think what I see the, the biggest thing among runners is that their ratio of macronutrients for a runner is not where it should be. I also just see a lot of like on social media and like, I don't (laughs) know where this all come from, but that like, gosh, what was I listening to the other day? Oh, I was listening to a a church message and he had brought up like something about carbs. And he was like, these just thinking of it as like the the carbs that won't make you fat. I was like driving in my car and I was like, carbs don't make you fat. Yeah. Like, let's not (laughs) like, what the heck? Why does everybody think that? Or like, where does this come from? Yeah. Um, We need carbs. (laughs) Yeah. You need carbs. And, uh, especially as a runner. And so I think that's the biggest kind of misconception that I see is this diet advice for maybe people who are trying to lose weight, but like that diet advice isn't for athletes or runners. So both a a mix of not the right proportions of your macronutrients and then just overall under fueling. Like I see that a lot in runners and that's a big thing that is either like impacting their injury rate or their timing or their performance or anything is just uh, overall not having enough calories in their diet. Yeah. No, I feel like, I feel like, cause I see that in myself, but I see that, you know, I'm like, if I'm doing it, like, and I know people are like, usually like, oh, you eat well, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, like, I know, like, I, like, I, it's hard to get enough calories in. Like, I think I have a pretty high, I mean, I think, I don't know, like say things out there who knows the right, but I feel like I have a pretty high metabolism as it is. Yeah. Like I, I need to like, I eat a lot regardless. Like right now I haven't exercised in, or I haven't ran in a whole month now, but it's like hard. Like, I actually think, I don't know, this is me reflecting too. Like sometimes I hate running because it's really hard to get enough in. It's like t- so time consuming to make enough food. And then also like have to go eat some often. Like, yeah. like, I don't know. It's like, honestly frustrating to me. <laughs> like yeah. sometimes like right now when I'm not running, it's actually kind of nice. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm not like constantly hungry. Hungry. Is, yeah. yeah. 
uh, I have a client right now who's training for a half Ironman and he <laughs> like sent me a message the other day and he was like, eating is so much work as in like, yes. <laughs> he, just, he has to get in so many calories and has to eat so frequently and like fuel and then recover because he's doing two day workouts. And it is, it's a lot, it's like, it's part of your training. So like everybody right. thinks that the most time consuming part of training is like the training itself, but you know, the food part <laughs> of it is also very time consuming. Yeah. It's like the sleep and the recovery and that, yeah. and yeah. let's not get injured all that. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Um, so going back to like, you know, macronutrients and when you were saying you feel like, you know, tend to be off on that, is that in, where do you feel like, uh, the disproportion is, is it like not getting enough carbs or where is that usually? Yeah, I usually see it and not getting enough carbs and then it being overcompensated by protein and fat. Um, okay. and you know, your, your, the carbohydrates in your diet are your body's primary and preferred source of energy. So, um, I think that there's also this big emphasis on protein and how much protein you need for working out. And for some, I don't know why reason that people think that Americans don't get enough protein in their diet. It's just, I see a lot of emphasis on that. And like, you know, having like protein shakes and all these like different supplements that you can take to make sure you get in enough protein and so I just see like, I see the concentration or the focus being in the wrong areas. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I see that too. And I feel like even out there, there's, you know, conflicting advice, just like everything, like you'll hear yeah. certain things being like, Oh, you should do this. You should do that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, are you a person that's, you know, like, I'm, I'm sure it depends or whatever, but like, um, you know, suggest actually measuring out, you know, what you're, what you're eating or, um, not as much. No, I try to really teach my clients like how to, like, if they were going to have a plate in front of them, like what their plate should look like based on what they, what they, what they cook. So, you know, a lot of the beginning steps is just in the United States and probably growing up, you were probably somebody who like focused on the meat first or your source of protein. And then maybe you thought of like what starch you're going to have with that. And then yep. maybe there was like a vegetable on the side and that yeah, maybe. from the Midwest, like that vegetable was either like green peas, corn <laughs> or uh, green beans, like canned green beans. I don't know. Do you guys have canned? I had so much canned yeah. growing up. <laughs> um, and so Actually, there's, you know, the corn and the green peas are actually considered a starch. Yeah. Um, we could, you could sit down for dinner and not have any, you know, vegetables on yeah. your own, or non <laughs> vegetables, I should say. So I really just tell my clients to like focus on, you know, first, like your fruits and vegetables, and then kind of plan your plate around that. And not necessarily like you might not sit down for a dinner every, every time you eat or have a plate with you every time you eat, but just thinking of nutrition in a different way than maybe we have ingrained in our brain, um, from growing up. And then also just, you know, how, how you use that to fuel, um, as far as like your timing and things like that go. So I don't, I really try not to encourage like portions I might, um, or like measuring things out. I might, you know, for somebody who, is new and I'm starting to work with them. I might have them, uh, measure somehow at the very beginning, just so that they can get used to what a third of a cup of, or a serving of quinoa or brown rice, like what that looks like on their plate. Yeah. Eventually getting them to have the skills of like not needing to do that because they can just visualize what that looks like. Right. Right. Um, but yeah. you, you, know, you need to start from somewhere if you don't know what a half a cup of rice looks like. Right. Right. If you're just like, I have no clue what this should be. Yeah. 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 No, that's helpful. What, um, this is off topic of not off topic, but I wasn't going to ask it, but how often do you usually work with your clients? Like, how does that, it probably depends like most things, but what is like a typical, um, you know, client length look like? Um, like on a, on a weekly basis or like a, a session duration session duration, like how many, you know, on average, how long does it take working with someone to like get, you know, help them and their habits change and all that kind of stuff. Oh, I don't like, even know. Cause I don't even know, like, I don't know the dietitian world that, that well, like how that looks, you know, in the, in the sense of it's, it's like an athlete, if you're working with a runner, you know? Yeah. Um, so I have, um, a six, eight and a 12 week program. Uh, okay. so it kind of depends like if you're training for something, um, if you are, you know, it depends what your 
quote unquote problem is, I guess you could say. Right. Right. It could, it could be, like I said, I usually find that like the minimum to work with somebody is like six to eight weeks just to like get down, you know, the basis of nutrition as far as running goes. Cause it's not just about what's on your plate. It's like hydration and we go over supplements and just a bunch, you know, pre before you, before you run, after you run, um, if you're doing like a, um, you know, sometimes I've worked with soccer players. So if they're doing multiple games in a day, like how do they, what can they pack for a tournament? And like, so all different things that kind of depends on what, if they're just, if they're just training for a run, if they're just a runner who's not having a competition or something like that, it depends on, on how, how much attention they need. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Not that. So like six, eight, 12. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Just curious. I was just like, I mean, it's probably similar to, it's kind of similar to physical therapy in the sense mm-hmm. of those are common length, I would say, and depending on how serious the injury is, but no, that makes sense. And it depends on like, just like physical therapy, like how much work they put in, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So if they have a certain goal, of like maybe it's a health goal so maybe they're a runner but they also want to get their blood pressure down or um they're an athlete and they just got their cholesterol levels back and they're not exactly where they want them to be um or if they're just like learning how to eat to be a better runner um it all kind of depends on on what their goals are too yeah yeah well, that makes sense i feel like and this is just you know currently being injured and just my whole year in general do you like it's just so much habit forming do you feel like that's a lot of what nutrition is like do you focus on like those type of things too like this is just me my brain just like thinking I just feel like from things I've seen it's just like so much on like how do you establish a new habit like absolutely (laughs) yeah and just like really working with clients individually to like figure out what's going to work for them so yeah you know sometimes at the very beginning of uh me working with somebody, I kind of just like ask them, what are your like non-negotiables? Like, what are you not willing to, like, I'm not going to tell you, like, I'm never going to tell you to give up a food because I just yeah. don't believe that <laughs> yeah. we omit a food from your lifestyle. But you know, some people are like, I'll never be a morning runner. Cool. Like, okay. well, yep. let's just like- get that out of there because yeah. I have to put on your training plan, like, run this much every morning and then eat this after you run, because that's just like not going to happen with that person. So we do go over like any foods that are non-negotiables. Like they might, um, gosh, I had a, so I also work at the VA and I, um, work with different people there. And I had a a client there that he had told me that his dad, he had some like heart issues every time he ate something before he exercised. So he like, did not really want to eat anything right before he exercised. So I'm like, okay, like I would recommend that you eat something, but like that for him was like a traumatic thing that like that happened to his dad. So he had this fear of like his heart, something happening to his heart. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's legit. (laughs) Yeah. 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 No, I like that. What's your non-negotiable? Like that's so important. I like that. Like Oh my gosh. Well, you, you know, this. like this summer I'm trying to like get this routine of becoming a morning runner. And clearly I, I figured out, apparently it's not important enough to me. I don't know. I couldn't do it. So like, oh, uh, so maybe that's my- <laughs> right. So if someone like coached you and was like, you need to run every morning. Like that's just going to be like, not fun for you because it's yeah. just the type of person that you are, you it's know? Pro- like, I think that's just like, maybe at some point in my life, that is something else still change, but clearly it was just, I was like, I just had like, I was like, well, I guess this is just not happening. Not happening. I don't know whether I, yeah, I mean, obviously I had a lot of changes in my life and stuff. So maybe at another time when life is settling down, so maybe it happens, but I'm just like, maybe that's a non-negotiable for me. Maybe I'm just yeah. can't run at 6 a.m. in the morning. No, I can. Yeah. Like, obviously I can. Yeah. Program, but anyways, I was just thinking that. But I like that. And, I mean, of course, if there's like some foods that are non-negotiable. So I think that it is important. Like I mentioned to a lot of my clients that it takes 10 times of you trying a food before you can actually decipher whether you like it or not. Okay. Um, so if somebody comes to me and they're like, oh, I've had beets and I like, I hate them. Like I, I will not touch them. I love beets. I try, to, they're good. <laughs> I try to dig a little bit deeper and I'm like, well, how are they prepared? Were they canned? Yeah. Were they boiled? Like, have you ever had them roasted? And yeah. really try to like, if they're willing to try them again, um, I will usually be able to find a way to like that they can prepare them that they haven't had before. It all depends on their reason for not liking them, but so sometimes if it's a food non-negotiable, I dig a little di- bit deeper and it's like, well, why is that? Because there are a lot of foods that if like Brussels sprouts, like if you only ever have boiled Brussels sprouts growing up, like 
you probably don't like them. Yeah. I've never had them cooked no. like deliciously, you know? Right. Yeah. That's definitely what we had growing up. And I actually yeah. still somewhat liked them. It was like, like frozen, you know, frozen and yeah. then oh. boiled or whatever. And actually I think I didn't mind them. Well, I'm kind of weird, but like, yeah, they're way different than if you actually like get them fresh, like, yeah. And like roast them or yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Get a little crispiness to them. Yeah. Like that, yeah. So. No, I love that. What, um, Okay. So we went over like, you know, not getting the proper, you know, proportion of macronutrients, um, not fueling enough. Um, I have a question, but before we go there, anything else that you feel like, you know, you see runners commonly do, um, and, or ways to like fix per se the issue. I don't like both those words, fix an issue, but you know, overcome the, you know, under fueling and we, we went over the macronutrients really well. I think any other tips that we haven't covered? Um, no, I think that sometimes one of the biggest things is just like, so I think one of the hardest, and I don't know if this answers your questions, but one of the biggest obstacles in nutrition and working with clients is that, so like for physical therapy, you know, you have a problem when something hurts, right? Like physical therapist, because you have pain or you have something that's not working right. And so, you know, that you need help. Um, I think sometimes for nutrition, especially with athletes and runners as it's hard for an athlete or a runner to identify that they might need help with their nutrition or that, that nutrition is part of um, why they're getting injured or why they, um, aren't getting a period or a regular menstrual cycle or why they're not able to run more than three miles before getting like completely drained. Um, so all of those things, like we don't necessarily, because I know I didn't before I was a dietitian, like, uh, associate with food or nutrition. So I think sometimes it can be difficult just having a runner or an athlete seek out somebody for nutrition advice or counseling, because, um, it's not always that like first identifier. Yeah. And it's not something you feel like, I mean, obviously, yeah, there's a lot of people like, I feel like around like the weight loss thing, but it's like, you don't see people being like, yeah, I need to work with a dietitian. Right. It's not like just a common, common knowledge. I feel like, I mean, obviously people do, but, but yeah, like, like you said, like people think of a dietitian as like somebody to help you lose weight. Right. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I even had, um, I think I had told you this off of this podcast episode that I had a soccer player, uh, well, his mom reach out to me because he was having these like hydration issues and she got referred to me from one of her friends and she had told her friend that referred her to me that she like, didn't even know that a sports dietitian was a thing. Like, (laughs) like that, that profession even existed, which I totally get, but that in itself is just, you know, you don't think of like, Oh, I'm having hydration issues. You probably think of like going to your doctor, right? Like, yeah, yeah. 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 So no, it's part of the team and like, you know, of, uh, of a performance, I guess, and of mm-hmm. anything, but I mean, we're talking running and a lot of people are yeah. going after goals. No. And I feel like, I mean, I kind of alluded to this. Like, I feel like, you know, myself, it's like, okay, like, yeah, I think I've underfueled definitely in my past or even, well, currently I'm not running, but even, you know, recently, not even per- purposely, it's just like not intentionally, but it's like, when you look back, you're like, oh, I probably wasn't, you know, getting in enough. And yeah, yeah. is that, you know, contributing towards my injuries and, and stuff like that, or yeah. what's, you know, and it's, yeah, I just think it's, it's super important. What was I going to say? What? Oh, I had a question. From and before. I mean, just like you're saying, like, it's, it's been a part of my story. Like I, Yeah, I didn't get a normal period for a very long time. Like I didn't even get a period until I was 17 years old. And I was told at that time that like, oh, well, that's, that's normal. And girls who are, you know, involved in a lot of sports and are athletes, like we would expect to not, you know, really see a period until like you're mid or later teens, which is (laughs) not an acceptable answer. Like that's just, just because you're an athlete doesn't mean that that means that there's something wrong, you know, that right. there's, you're either not feeling properly, your body doesn't have enough energy to do the processes that it's supposed to be doing. And so that was kind of just like my answer for a long time. And I was like, well, I like running. And so I'm going to continue <laughs> running in the less right. problem, like, you know, which right. at the time I was just like, whatever, like, if I'm not going to get a period, that's fine. But it's yeah. not, it's, it's like, not okay. Yeah. I do yeah. have some high schoolers that listen to this. So, and I think actually they're more and more educated. Like I know some of them, they know like now, like there's no way I knew that when I was in high school at that 
if I wasn't getting that regularly, that that wasn't normal. And I think, you know, a lot of people, like a lot of women or girls too, like they might think at that age, because I know I did that, like, okay, so I don't get a period. Like, it's not like I'm trying to have kids. It's like, yeah, but it, it is a big deal because if those hormones, like so much of that leads to like osteoporosis later in life, or you're not getting the nutrients that you need. Um, and so your body's not, you know, doing what it's supposed to be doing. And, and it has a lot of bigger ramifications than you might just think of just not getting a period. Right. Um, Right. Yeah. And I think I've shared this on one other episode too, but like, yeah, I didn't have a regular period until I was done with college running, which is like ridiculous. I was 21 years old until I had a regular period for the first time in my life, you know? And like, I, and I would answer what, what did you say? I was 28 and 28 dang. Okay. <laughs> and I think it took a little bit too. It wasn't even, yeah, I'm actually thinking it wasn't actually right away even like, so maybe I was a little, it was towards the end of my of grad school till I was like, Oh, wow. Actually, I think it was honestly when I got, I got like injured again and then I wasn't running as much. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm like getting this rig. Yeah, it was, it was when I got injured in Mississippi. So 2013, however old I was then 24, but like I had told like doctors at that point, like many people like, Hey, do you get a period? The answer is like, yes, but it's, is it regular? No. Like it can sometimes it's every two, two months, sometimes it's every month. It's just kind of all over the place. I don't know when it's gonna you know show up honestly and like they never like they never questioned it because I was getting it you know but it's, yeah and it was never <laughs> like oh well what 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 does your diet look like, like right you- no not at all no yeah. and I know looking back I was like no I wasn't eating and like I was eating like you know yeah I was not eating enough probably not on purpose like I love to eat people probably be like Kristen's always eating like I always get that like Kristen you're always eating but it probably wasn't like enough of the right stuff so yeah um, but yeah, just well, emphasize you, that again, have, like, you know, runners who I was reading a research article the other day and, um, it was about women runners specifically and just or women athletes specifically and how you can be like, you can be eating very healthy, but you're not getting enough calories because a lot of healthful foods don't have a ton of calories in them. Yeah. So like you could be eating a lot of right. and vegetables and, yeah. whole greens and things like that, but like they aren't super calorie dense. So a lot of those foods, like, are you actually getting enough calories in the day to, for the, uh, exercise that you're doing? Right. Right. Yeah. No, I like that. Like, especially where it's just like this, you know, focus on, Oh, to eat well, you gotta get your veggies in. Right. Like, yeah, that's helpful in some ways, but yeah, from like calorie perspective, you know, and as a runner, you need those, you need those starchy carbs too, you know, like, (laughs) I know we got to wrap this up pretty soon. What, anything else that we missed on that you feel like we didn't cover as far as, you know, helpful tips for runners specifically. I mean, I'm sure there's tons we can go into, but anything else that's coming to mind that we, yeah, might've touched the surface on or just didn't cover, you know, cover that would help a, a runner out there listening, learn how to feel better, or maybe even, Hey, when do you need to be seeking help? Ideally. Yeah. So I would say, you know, any of those things that we just talked about, if you're frequently experiencing injuries, um, if you like in your running, you know, like if you feel like you're at a plateau with that, if you, um, like go for a run in the morning and you're completely drained by the end of the day, um, if you're not getting a regular period or your menstrual cycle is not, uh, is pretty random. Like those are all signs that could be definitely tied to your diet and nutrition. If your sleep is off, like that could also be tied to that. There's a lot of research that correlates, you know, over exercising, under fueling and your sleeping habits. And then I guess the only thing that we didn't really talk about too much, um, during this episode is that I think that a lot of people think, you know, nutrition and running, it's like all tied to food. But, um, a lot of times I see, faults and hydration as well with my clients. And, um, especially, you know, living here in Florida, I definitely <laughs> had to like figure out my nutri- my hydration game, um, as far yes. as like moving to a place of humidity. And I used to be that person with that, who never ran with water or a liquid of any sort. And, um, I got a salivary gland infection from doing that. So it's like really something that I like pound in with my clients is like how important hydration is uh, to your overall performance. 
Yeah. Yeah. Danielle and I went on one run since I've been here because of my poor little heel, but we got a one run and it was a hot mess of a run, like hot, hot. It was very hot. It was a hot mess of a run. I think we took like 10 breaks, maybe not that many, but I was like, we were both kind of dying and like, it was so hot that day. But like part of that was like hydration. That's where I was like figuring out my hydration. So I'm like, oh my gosh, like Florida running. Like, yeah, Yeah. I got to figure out this hydration issue. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Oh, I love it. Cool. Well, awesome. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for all the tips. Um, I know this will be super helpful for everyone listening. And I don't think I brought on a dietitian yet. I know I've thought about, but yeah, so you're the, I think you're the first dietitian we've talked about um, diet on someone's episode, but, um, anyways, so thank you for coming on and where can, um, anyone listening find you at, where's the best way for them to find you at? Sure. Um, thank you so much for having me. Yes. Yes. Um, (laughs) You can find me on Instagram. My handle is, uh, actively underscore nourished underscore. And then my Facebook is just Danielle Strabel. Um, and then my business is mindful nutrition with two L's. My website is, I don't know if you'll on your podcast, if you'll have the, the way my name is spelled, but it's rdn.com rd.com or rdn for registered dietitian nutritionist. Awesome. Cool. And as she said, like, you know, obviously she shared earlier, like she works with runners specifically, like that's, you know, one of her specialties. Um, so if you're needing any help with that, you know, definitely reach out to her. Um, you know, we talked about even a little bit of what she does earlier. Um, and she also is a run coach too. So she has that benefit of being able to combine the two and yeah. Anything else that you do that I didn't mention or anything else you have to promote? No. Um, I mean, those are the ways that you can find me and literally you can just like send me a message on Instagram. You can, uh, email me at daniellestrablerdn at gmail.com. Um, or like you can even find my contact on my website. So any way that you could, you want to reach out or just chat, like I'm happy to answer anybody's, you know, questions or just to chat too. I'm always kind of a open book when it comes to nutrition. So yes, no, I love it. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I learned some new things from you, even though we've hung out before. So that was fun too. And, and yeah, we will catch you guys on the next episode of breaking five. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode of Breaking Five, a running podcast. We hope you are running away with some inspiration, tips, and actionable items that you can put towards your Breaking Five moment. Lastly, if you know anyone else with a Breaking Five moment, that doesn't have to actually mean literally Breaking Five, just a Breaking Five moment in general, in running, in life, or anyone else who has great knowledge and background in helping others reach their Breaking Five moment, I would love for you to put me in contact with them. We would love to have them on the show. So if you could and let them know, if you know of someone else, tell them to reach out to me at my Instagram. And that is at Kristen underscore run your life. Again, that's at Kristen underscore run your life. And could you do me a favor? And if you enjoyed today's episode and can think of anyone else who could benefit from listening to it, could you go ahead and share this out on your social media or share this directly with them? That would mean the world to me, seriously. And make sure if you have not already to make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so that you get our weekly updates as we drop the next episodes. Thank you, everyone. We seriously appreciate you tuning in today. We'll see you next time. And until then, go run your life.